My name's Mark. I'm Larry and Jackie's uh, favorite son out of three. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I'm a member of an Assemblies of God church in Bullhead City, Arizona. Um, you can thank me for the warmer weather that I brought with me because the day after I got here, it rained. Ariel and I were singing the Frozen song, We Can Build a Snowman, and we got here and we were like, no, we can't. There's, there is no snow. So at my church, I'm, a, I'm not an actual pastor. I'm a youth leader and worship leader, and uh, I believe God has called me to be a fill-in person. I'll do whatever needs to get done. Um, but I said I don't want the title of pastor because the title of pastor comes a lot of responsibility. Right now, I can mess up or say something weird and say, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know I'm not a pastor. And it's like, okay, okay, but I think once you get that title of pastor, it gets a little, gets a little harder there. So that's about me. And today I want to talk about um, taking action because the new year is coming. So um, go ahead and go to the next one. How many of you have made a new year's resolution? Do people still do that anymore? Or do we just give up and say, I'll never do it anyways, so I'm not going to even say anything? Every year mine are the same and I never do one. And then I'm like, well, I can renew the same one. I didn't say I had a year to do it. I said it's just a goal I had, I guess. So, so obviously we, we can make goals, and sometimes we act on them, and sometimes we don't, but the majority of the time we forget about them. My New Year's resolution is always, always to eat better, and I do not. I like food way too much to do that. So I'm changing my resolutions to maybe, if I don't make any, I don't break them, so that'll be good. But today we're going to talk about different kinds of actions and resolutions that we should be um, leaning towards. So far too often, we followed good thoughts and good words and good intentions to stop short of good actions. Uh, Sometimes we let fear and laziness and discouragement paralyze us and rendering us inactive. But we're going to talk about that today, and we don't want to do that anymore. Uh, We want to see God bring into our attention that he cares as much what we do as what we say. It's very important that we have actions behind our words. So um, how many of you enjoy coming to church and hearing God's word taught? I do most days. Um, I, enjoy, I enjoy God's word, um, and I really enjoy, I enjoy it. I get a lot out of it, but there's more to being a Christian than just listening to the word be taught. That's all you're doing it. You're kind of doing it wrong. I don't mean to offend anybody, but just coming to church and listening and having it all stop there is kind of not the point of what God wants to do in our lives. We're not only called to uh, sit here and listen to what we are being taught. Uh, We as Christians are called into action. Um, In Matthew 28, um, we're going to find Jesus talking to his disciples after his resurrection, and he gives them what we now know as the Great Commission. He's right on that with the PowerPoint. So the Great Commission is in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And 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 it tells us, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Um, So a couple words out of just this one passage. The first thing we're going to talk about is is the passage says, Go, make, baptize, teach, and obey. What do all these words have in common? They're all verbs. They're all action words. God didn't say sit and stay and be idle. He said go and make, baptize, teach, and obey. 
Jesus is telling his disciples to get moving and to go and spread the good news to do uh, what they have been called to do. Um, I'm going to say this, and I might offend some people this morning, but when was the last time you went out and you did this, the Great Commission, and spoke about God and brought someone to the church? A lot of people look at their own church and they say, geez, look at all these empty seats. What is the pastor doing? Why don't, why don't we have a busier church? I'm not just saying this church. This is like churches everywhere right now. Um, but I'm going to say that it is not the pastor's job to fill the seats of the church. And, and with that, it is the pastor's job to have his own ministry, his own people he's ministering to, the people put on his heart that he leads to Christ. But it is the church's job to bring people in. It's not the church's do- job to just sit here and be idle and just expect to show up and other people are going to be here. How do you think other people are going to get to church? By the congregation inviting them, by the congregation getting the name of the church out, by the congregation witnessing. So that's part of the Great Commission. And what I think would be a great goal for the beginning of the year, well, even at lunchtime, let's see that BC Pizza Mom, we're going we're gonna to be bringing people to the church. <laughs> All the workers know you there anyways, so it'll be good. So I think that's one of the first great goals that we could have, is to not just read the Great Commission and expect other people to do it, but ourselves have our own ministry to reach other people in the community and to go and to do what it said, where it says, go and make and baptize and teach and obey what God told us to do. So I want to obey what God is saying when he commands us. That's the word. Got it. Um, I want to do what God commands us to do. It's a commandment. He's not suggesting it. He doesn't say, well, if you want, go make disciples. He's saying, go and make disciples. He's commanding us to do that. And in James 1.22, it tells us, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Go out and do those things that God has said. So we're going to move to our second thing that would be a good goal for the next coming year. And that is to, go ahead and go to the next one, Dad. Um, is to have a heart for those in need. And we always want to follow the example of Christ, and he surely had a heart for those in need. He reached out to those who were untouchable. He reached out to those that were outcast on the city gates because they were deemed unclean and dirty. He went there, even though people are like, you, why are you going to the lepers, man? You're going to get leprosy and lose some fingers or something? And Jesus did not care what people thought about people. He cared about their heart. He cared about reaching them and giving them an opportunity to know him. So in Matthew 25, 34 through 40, it says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, and needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So I think, as a church, we need to have a heart for those in need. Uh, Not just be a a church that's a social club, you know. We need to be a church for those who need to come in and they need to hear the words of Jesus. They, They need to be clothed. They need to be fed. But more importantly, they need the words of Jesus to encourage them and bring them to relationship with Jesus. 
And then our next verse is in, in 1 John. The next slide, there we go. It's uh, 1 John three seventeen through 18. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words um, or speech, but with actions and in truth. And a couple more verses that go along with that. I can tell you, when you research um, Bible verses about helping people in need, there's so many of them. I couldn't put them all on this list unless y'all wanted to be here till three. Not an amen for that? All right. <laughs> so go ahead and go to the next one. Uh, Deuteronomy 15.11 says, There will always be poor people in the land. Therefore, I command you to be open-handed toward your fellow Israelites who are poor and needy in your land. We could even say uh, to the Charlevoixites, Charlevoixians. What do you guys call yourselves? Charlevoix people. Um, Hebrews 13.16 says, And do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. And Romans twelve thirteen says, Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. And I love that it says practice, too. It just doesn't say do hospitality, if that's a sentence. Any English majors? Good, okay. Um, it says practice hospitality. Practice doing it, even when you don't need to do it. Um, have have hospi- ho- hospitality. All right, see, I told you, some things are going to come out. We're not going to know what's going on. So practice it. Do this every chance you have. Care for people every day, every moment that you can. And then moving on to our third uh, note is to be there for each other. And I think this is super important because your brothers and sisters in the Lord should be your best friends. There should be no gossip. There should no be discord between you. Um, you know, arguments do happen, but solving them with a Christ-like wisdom is a great thing. First uh, Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. So back then they were doing it, so that's good. Are we doing that now? Are we encouraging each other as a church? Was the last time you went to your, your pastor or your leader in your church and encouraged them, said you're doing a great job, I know it's hard. Is there anything I can do for you? Or even uh, another, just anyone in the church, you know, hey, you look down today. You want to talk? What's going on? We as a church should be the most supportive people in the entire community. And people will see that support, and they'll want part of that because they'll see Christ in us through that, and they'll want to be part of that. Uh, a couple more verses in that same note. Uh, Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 says, Two are better than one. Because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? I hear that in Michigan right now. This is cold to me right now, by the way. It's 20 degrees, and at home I think it's supposed to be 80 today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And it says, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So if we're there for each other and work with each other as a church, as a team, imagine the great things you guys can do uh, for the work of the Lord, for the community, for for the city, uh, for just this church alone, and something that could spread throughout the whole county. And... uh, I think it's the last verse. Nope, a couple more verses. There's a lot on this too. The Bible has a lot of good stuff. Uh, the next verse, the next slide is Galatians 6.2. 
Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Again, be there for each other. When people are going through hard times, share their burdens. Pray for them. See what you can do for them. Uh, But in the same way, when somebody's going through prosperity, rejoice with them. It's the same thing. You want to share whatever the emotion is going around so that you can help people in, in that need. And the next slide is Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Um, This verse always cracks me up because you're always preaching it to the people who are not forsaking gathering. It's the people in church. Sometimes I'm like, man, the people in church need to hear this verse, but they're not in church to hear it. Um, I know a lot of Christians, friends, Christian friends and relatives that say, uh, we don't need to go to church. I don't need to go to church to be saved. I just need to believe in Jesus. Um, but I remind them of, of this verse in Hebrews that says, do not uh, give up meeting together. Because when you meet together, you encourage each other, and you talk, and you become closer so you can do greater things. And First Peter 4, 8 through 10 says, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality uh, to one another without grumbling. That's a hard part, without grumbling sometimes. Maybe that's just me. I don't know. Uh, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. We all have skills. We all have things we can do. We have, some people have the gift of encouragement. Some people have a gift of prayer. Some people, have, um, some people are just blessed financially so they can give a gift of money or clothes or helping. And we should all use those gifts to, to love on one another, to help another inside our church, and again, spread that out into our community. And then our fourth thing I wanted to talk about, a um, little interjection here, another thing too. If you know I'm preaching, we're getting out early, so just say <laughs> I'm used to preaching 15 minutes to a youth on Wednesday nights. So I hope no one's offended. If you are, I can read something to kill the time until 12 or 12.15, but I probably won't do that because <laughs> I'm I'm moving along here. Um, the fourth one is to seek and to grow closer to God. What a great goal would that to be this year is to grow closer to God. I never want to be at a point in my life where I feel like I'm close enough to God. To say, you know, I'm close enough. I don't need to keep reading the Bible. I don't need to keep worshiping. I feel like I'm on a level with you, God. That I just, you know, that you say um, you want your cup to be runneth over. And that's me. I want to be taking every step I can to grow closer to God. To know more of him so I can emulate his actions. So I can do what he's asked me to do. In Matthew 6.33, it says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. It says right there to seek his kingdom and his righteousness, to do what God wants us to do. Um, You know, some people uh, think that when you pray and say, In Jesus' name, amen, it means in the name of Jesus, I'm claiming it, and you're going to do it. But what I think it means is in your name, that if it's your will— that if it lines up with you, then it's going to be done. And that's what I was talking about here is to f- is seek his kingdom, seek the will of God, not necessarily what we want, but we want to see what God wants to do in our lives. In Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And I love this too, because God promises that if we seek him, if we want to know him more, he's always going to answer us. He's always going to reveal more of himself to us. But that's not going to happen unless we take that step forward to actually seek God, 
to seek him with our heart, not to just read the Bible to get some chapters done in your reading plan, but to read the Bible with an open heart and say, Lord, speak to me as I read this. Help me grow closer to you. Help me understand it in new ways so that we can be changed. I told my dad I made notes, and I have not followed any of them yet. <laughs> so, so, so we have all this. We have four things that we can work on, um, but how do we do that? And we need to start taking action in what we do. And that's another hard part, too, because it's, it's very easy to say what you want to say, or it's easy to say what you want to do, but it's harder to actually do it. I can sit here and preach all day about helping others and growing closer to God and fulfilling the Great Commission and ministering, but once I leave up here and go forward and I don't do any of it, what point is it? What point are the words without the actions? So go ahead and go to the next one. Uh, so we need to we need to take action. Uh, John fourteen twelve through 14 tells us, Very truly I tell you, and I tell, tell my youth group, when Jesus says, very truly I tell you, he really truly tells you, so you should really listen to it. It says, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father, and I will, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in, in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. And I think that's great, because you've all heard and read the story of Jesus and all the great things he did in his life. But he was gone at, like, what, was it 33? 30? 33? I don't know. It was younger, younger than me. That's all I know. And Jesus says we will do greater things than that if we seek him, if we ask in his name, if we follow his will. I mean, Jesus was, was healing people and and. and helping people and he was prophesying and he was doing all these great things and jesus says we'll do greater things than that greater things than the son of god because we are around longer than than he was some of us are double what jesus's age was not most of you maybe just a couple but um we have double the lifespan of jesus to do his will to fulfill what he wants us to do and i think it's such a great thing that he gives us that confirmation that we have that power in us through the Holy Spirit, that we can still accomplish those things. And we need to be taking action in doing what the Word says. For instance, healing. Isaiah 53, 5 says, But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Let's take action and pray for one another. Let's take action and lay hands and anoint with oil and believe and actually see the miracles that Jesus performed right here in this church. See the miracles of, of healing. See the miracles of uh, situations in work and home and life. That if we take that action and we believe instead of saying, oh, yeah, I'll pray for you, or oh, yeah, we'll pray about it later, actually take that action and do those things now. Uh, taking action with helping others. We've already discussed that, but 1 John three seventeen through 18 says, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in, the, in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and truth. I think we already read that a little bit, but it's saying take action in that. Don't just, as a church, talk about the need of the community. Don't just talk about the need of people you see, like, oh, I know this guy, and he's got no money, he's got no food, he's all alone for Thanksgiving. How sad. And walk away. Take action. Do something about it. Um, I tell people in my church all the time that if you grumble or have a suggestion, be very willing to act on that. 
Because it's obviously something that is in your heart to see. So if you want to say, oh, this church doesn't have this type of ministry, well, take action. Do something about it. If you can't do it personally, talk to the pastor, talk to the leaders in the church and say, hey, I noticed this need in the church. Is there anything I can do to help? Or is there something I can help you with to help it? You know, everyone's not a youth pastor. Everyone's not a children's pastor. But everyone can bring food to a sandwich potluck. Right? In the announcements, everyone can help in some sort of way. So don't sit there and just talk about what, what the church needs. Don't talk about what people need. Instead, have a constructive action with it. I'm not saying just go to the pastor and complain about everything, because I can tell you that is, that is hard as a pastor. Um, it's hard for me as a leader, and I'm not, I'm not like the big guy shepherd. I'm like the assistant squire shepherd. Um, but it's hard, so be willing to come up with ideas and to help things. Go ahead and go to the next one. Um, supporting others. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. Again, I'm just reaffirming uh, what we already talked about in being there for each other as a church. Are you encouraging each other? Are you cur- encouraging people in your family and those in your life? Um, build each other up. We should never tear each other down or ever feel like that's what's happening in our church. I understand there's grumblings and there's things that we don't like about each other sometimes, but as a church, we should be focusing on the positive things. What can we change for the positive? What can I say to someone who might need a good a word of encouragement? Because I can tell you, doing actions in the church is hard. It can be very discouraging sometimes. Um, any of you who work in leadership know that, because sometimes you feel like you're failing. Sometimes you think you're not doing enough. Sometimes you feel like, should I even do this anymore? Am I making a difference? But if we're continually encouraging each other, if we're helping each other, then we'll have a, that positivity in our life to be able to say, you know what, I am making a difference because so-and-so came up to me and said, hey, good job today, drumming for the worship team. Thanks. That's, that's great. <laughs> um, when you do things like that, it just encourages people to keep going into fulfilling what God has called them to do. Serving. This is a hard one, I think, for some people. It's Galatians 5.13. It says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge uh, the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly and in love. We are all called to the church to attend, to grow, to listen, but we're all called to a church to serve. And I think every single person in a church should have some sort of thing they use to serve, whether it's uh, taking up the offering. I mean, you have to have somebody take the offering bag around. That is a ministry. That is a place to serve in your church. You have to have Greeters at the front door. You have to have custodians who clean. You have to have people who put the bulletin together. Uh, people who pay the bills. Uh, somebody who is pulling music um, Saturday night for worship. These are all things that you can do to serve in your church. And God has called us not to just um, be a, I guess we don't have pews anymore, but a pew filler. You don't just come and fill a seat. You come to do something. And if you want to do something to serve your church, to serve God, no matter how little it is, heck, somebody who is uh, baking cookies for Sunday morning, that is a ministry in itself that I could get on board with attending. You probably don't want me to make the cookies, but I will surely take part in your servanthood and eat those cookies and then encourage you and say, those cookies were delicious. And it is not my New Year's resolution to eat better so I can eat all these cookies that you made for the church. Hint. 
Oh, I won't be here next Sunday, but when I come back, I know I'll see some cookies. But every little thing that you can do to help out in the church will make a big difference in someone's life somewhere. So think about this coming year, how you can serve in the church. And if you want to find out, talk to the church leaders and say, how can I serve? What do you need help with? And it might start out with, hey, Sunday mornings, we need someone to salt the sidewalk real quick. That'd be great. Or you could say, I'm retired and I drive vehicles. Maybe I can run the van for you and pick up people for church. There's, there's all sorts of things you can do. Um, and another way, uh, another thing we can do is tithe. And that's Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Um, that's another way you can take action. Don't just talk about how the church needs finances, how the church needs money, and if we had money, we could do this. Take action and be faithful with your tithing because what's great is when we're faithful with tithing, God is faithful to us in promising us that when we are faithful and give him uh, anything we can, that he's faithful to us and he blesses us even more. I often pray, Lord, bless those who give so they can give more. I would love to just give more and more and more. But the problem, or not the problem, the thing is, is the more you give, the more you have to give. It works out really odd, but that's, that's the power of Christ um, in our lives and in what he does with us. So, go on to the next one. So, what's, what's next? How do we accomplish this? How do we go about making sure we are keeping on track and, and following God's will in our life? The first one is pray. 1 Thessalonians 5.17. This is now a verse I have memorized. Pray continually. It's not very long. It's a very short verse. But uh, the Bible commands us to pray continually. How will you know how to serve? How will you know what God wants you to do as you need to pray? And I'm not talking just at the side of your bed at night, you know, dear Lord, bless so-and-so and help this and that. that. That when you pray, you actually talk with God. You have a conversation that we not only ask things of him, but we have a conversation and talk to him how we're feeling, what we're thinking, and take that time to listen. That's the most important part, I think, of praying, is that God isn't just a genie in a bottle that we tell him to do stuff and he does it. But we need to stop and we need to listen to the voice of God. And if you say, well, how do I hear the voice of God? Well, you stop and you listen. And the more you listen, the more you're going to hear it. Um, the next thing that we can do to take action and help with where we need to go is grow in knowledge. 2 Timothy three sixteen through 17 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So if we start to understand the Bible, if we start to read the Bible, and again, not to read it just to, to like, oh, I read five chapters today, that's what I was supposed to do today. But if we read the Bible to hear the word of God, then we can grow in him and he will give us knowledge to equip us for what we need to do. And then we also need to step out in faith. Um, James two fourteen through 17 says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is, a, is not accompanied by action, is dead. And I love that because I kind of feel like there's a little sarcasm in there. Like, really, what good is it to see someone in need and say, oh, you have a need. 
well, I hope that works out for you. And then you walk away and you do nothing. Well, that need was brought to you so you could do something about it. But God wants us to have faith, but also an action. Um, faith to say, Lord, fill this church with people in need. And then just walk away and say nothing, but say, Lord, fill this church, bless this church. But what can I do to do that? What can I do to help with that process? And I'll tell you that God will tell you what you need to do. And if you are wondering and you're saying, well, I'm not really sure, I'm not hearing much, I can guarantee a leader in this church will help you figure out what you can do to bless the church, to, to, to advance the things that you feel you're called to help with. And the church can definitely help with that. So I just want to close with, if you're feeling God uh, is leading you to do something, definitely step out and do it. Don't let fear hold you back from doing what God has asked you to do. Because if God's asked you to do it, it's a really important thing to do. And you need to do it. You need to follow his word. If you want to help out at the church somewhere, uh, volunteer somewhere, um, don't be afraid to ask. God will guide you to exactly what he has created you to do. If you have an idea of a suggestion, uh, something you can act on, um, don't just sit there and be the, the person who says, um, these are the needs, this is what we need to see. Be the person who takes action. And, or if you're kind of scared to do it by yourself, grab some other people and say, hey, I have this idea. Can we work around this as a church uh, for our community, for our church, and actually do these things. So I'm going to challenge you as the new year approaches to grab some of these things that, that I talked about today. Um, first, personally, that you have your own ministry and that you're, you're witnessing to people, uh, that you are helping those in need, that you're helping one another. But on top of that, you're going to take action in your church. You're going to put your thoughts and words to action to better the kingdom of God. Because I'll tell you what, if every single person in here started acting on what they thought would help and started doing personal ministry and not being afraid anymore, instead of thinking and speaking, they actually go and do. I'll tell you what, when I come back in June, I won't be back in July. There's no way I'm driving on these new painted roads in the summer. I'm not going to do it. Um, but when I come back, I can tell you, I, I, I have faith that I can see this church double, triple in size because every person here is going to take some sort of action and not be afraid and not sit still and idly and actually do something to further the kingdom of God. And how great would that be? And I'm not, I wouldn't be excited about that just because of numbers. Like, oh, we got 65 people in our church. What I'd be excited about is we have 65 people that we can minister to. We can have 65 people that we can help who are in need. It's not about numbers. I think it's about the quality and what, what we can do for people. So if you... Um, if you can all close your eyes and pray with me, I'm going to close with a prayer. So I hope you heard the challenges today, and I hope that, that God is speaking to your heart what you can do next. No matter how small or how big it is, it's possible. Because a task is a task, and it has a starting point. And when you ask God to have that starting point, he will lead you and he will guide you to where he wants you to. And if you're following the voice of God and his will, and you're following his words, you can't go wrong with it. God will do that. So if you could uh, close your eyes and, and we'll pray that today. Lord, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for your guidance that you provide for us each day. That we don't have to guess who you are as a God. We don't have to guess what you want us to do because all of it's in your word. And Lord, I pray that as the new year comes, you will encourage us to dive in your word. To know you more. 
Because God, as we have questions and we need guidance, that we'll be able to find all of that in your word. That you'll give us that, that wisdom and that patience to sit down and truly read and hear what you're saying to us. But God, I pray also that each one of us will follow your will. That we will take the action that's needed to further your kingdom. That you will place ideas in our head that will be great ideas that will just be so beneficial to the church and to the community, God. But you'll give us encouragement, Lord, that we won't have a spirit of fear in us, but a, but a spirit of, of love. God, a spirit of caring and a, a spirit that does not have fear inside so that we can, we can advance what you want us to do. God, that you will just not let us have any doubt, Lord, whether that's something the volunteer is as small as just greeting people in the morning or something as, as big as actually starting a ministry, God, that you plant that in our heart deep because, Lord, we know that every ministry is important no matter what it is because all of it is for you and your kingdom. So, Lord, I pray you just put it on each one of our hearts right now. You begin talking to us, telling us what you want us to do, what you want us to change, Lord, who we need to speak to and what actions we need to take. And, Lord, that you will just... Help us not stop until those actions have been completed. Lord, and we can look back and see what you've done in us and what what you've done in other people. And Lord, just be with us today. Be with us for the new year. And Lord, just help us grow closer to you and to know you more and be like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. before you.